What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Marketing for the Uninhibited podcast. If you're ready to unleash your marketing potential and crush your small business goals, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Miranda Rodriguez. Over the past four and a half years, I've helped hundreds of small business owners achieve big dreams with small strategic marketing steps. When I say big dreams, I'm talking quitting that part-time job, five times in your income, or opening your first brick and mortar. On this podcast, I'll teach you how to market your business with laugh out loud personal stories, real life client examples, and the occasional F-bomb. Because let's be honest, Marketing your small business is so much more than just a marketing problem. Grab your earbuds and let me show you how marketing your business can be simple, doable, and fun. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Marketing for the Uninhibited podcast. To kick off my maternity leave podcast guest series, I have Lucy Corchain from Sapphire Sport Horses. This is an interview that I, she and I have been trying to do together for a very long time because we feel like it's a really important conversation to talk about navigating new motherhood while running a business. And so we really get into the nitty gritty and the practical side of how do you prepare for maternity leave when you're an entrepreneur in a country and a state where there is no built-in paid maternity leave, right? So as an entrepreneur, um, I'm in Illinois. She's in Connecticut, I think. But anyway, yep, in Connecticut. So um, we both have to figure out what maternity leave looks like when there's no one paying your bills, right? There's no one, not even just paying the bills, but both of us run businesses where we are the central component of the business for making money and so really figuring out what it looks like to put the people in place and the systems in place so that you can comfortably and safely take time off to spend with your new baby and to heal after having that baby Um, and we get into so much more so Lucy is the owner of Sapphire Sport Horses. She is a USDF gold, silver, and bronze medalist and the owner trainer of Sapphire Sport Horses in Brewster, New York. She lives with her husband and daughter in their 1800s Victorian in Connecticut and enjoys collecting antiques with them in her spare time. She is currently navigating managing her business, developing her own Dutch young horses alongside her baby human Alice, and training a wide range of horses and clients in the sport of dressage. You can follow along with Lucy at Lucy in the Sky with Sapphires on Instagram or by visiting www.sapphiresporthorses.com. And let me tell you, if you don't follow her on Instagram, she is definitely worth the follow. She, <laughs> she, it is so cute to see her baby Alice and her baby horse and their relationship and just, um, I also find it, so I find it it's so cute and entertaining, but it's also really inspiring to see a mom who takes their daughter to work a lot of times and to, to understand what goes into having a young daughter, having young horses, and running a business all at the same time. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Lucy is such a gem, and I'm so grateful for her to being a resource to me during my pregnancy as I plan for my maternity leave and for sharing all of that knowledge with all of us and just for being a spokeswoman for working moms, entrepreneur moms, um, especially in her sport, but in entrepreneurship in general. So enjoy. All right. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm here with a really special guest today, and I'm so excited to get into this conversation. We kind of started already before we press record, but um, I'm here with Lucy Corshain, and I'm going to let her introduce herself and all that she does in the equestrian world, and then we will dive into our conversation. Welcome to the podcast, Lucy. Hey, Miranda, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and talk about this topic is super special to me. Um, I'm Lucy Corshane. I run a dressage training business. So I'm a professional horse trainer and competitor. And I'm also a mom uh, of a two-year-old now just turned two. Um, But my sort of focus in the last couple of years has been managing professional riding and training and running a business that I own myself uh, alongside raising a human child. So it's been a journey that I love talking about and sharing, and I'm excited to be talking about it with you today. 
Yes, and I brought, um, well, Lucy and I have been trying to do this for a long time, and she didn't know when I was first reaching out that I was actually pregnant at that time. Um, I actually found out, like, I, right after I reached out to you initially, I think. Wow. And cool. then we just couldn't connect, and now, and it wasn't public then, so, you know, it kind of works out that we can now have this conversation at this yeah. point. Um, and you have, did you, you just got a younger horse too, right? So you have like I a did. toddler horse. <laughs> yep, exactly, exactly. So I, a lot of people uh, who may follow my journey on other platforms know about my relationship with my young horse and my young human. Um, my in, in my profession, which I'm sure a lot of people already know, but as a horse trainer, we often have our own personal young horse whenever possible to kind of bring up through the ranks and it's it's like my my own project my own practice thing and i bought him um almost three years ago and promptly got pregnant the day that i bought <laughs> him. so <laughs> so they have been parallel journeys from day one literally and now are both he's now five and she is two and those are very similar ages in their respective lives um mm -hmm. toddler tantrums learning new things growing uh yeah. just changing so it's been really fun and very and very synonymous very interesting from a horse perspective because i've always just trained horses and not really known too much about human children but now <laughs> i'm doing both <laughs> oh so that's gonna be really so fun, fun. Yeah, and to watch that relationship grow as she gets older and he does too, I think is going to be so special. So it's let's take let's take people back to when you found out you were pregnant and how because you have a very physical job. So yeah. I mean, and I did think about you and the conversations we had, and because I was so sick in the uh -huh. early days, and I'm like, how would anyone even get out the door, let alone like ride an animal all day? It's so true. People have asked me this. That, and of course, it all varies. Everybody's degrees of sickness or not um, totally are unique. But I did. I was sick, but not I was not debilitatingly sick, mm -hmm. which was fortunate. But I think what I clung to um, was mostly denial because <laughs> because the pregnancy was a surprise. Uh, you know, my husband and I wanted children, but we were not planning it in the way that mm -hmm. some people do. And so mm -hmm. I, and it, like I said, I had just bought this young horse for myself. So it was such a, like, that was my focus. That was my thought process. And then to be pregnant, I'm a very planned out organized person and it just, it shook me. And so mm -hmm. I kind of was like, no, it's, it's not real. I'm not, I'm fine. I'm going to keep going. And, you know, kept um, working for, I, I didn't tell really anyone in my professional circle or publicly until um, I was like 15, 16 weeks, yeah. um, because I just kind of was like, powering through to see what would happen. I was so panicked, of course, at the beginning because I'm self-employed and because mm -hmm. my job is so physical and I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, so I didn't, because I didn't have a plan and I get very freaked out when I don't have a plan. So um, of course, you know, spoiler alert, it all turned out mm -hmm. fine, but I was, um, I was very freaked out in the beginning. So I think I just like, when I was sick, I was like, I just I feel a little sick. I'm just gonna like same as in anything in the horse mm -hmm. world. The horse people are unfortunately known. It's not a good habit, but we're known for just kind of white knuckling it mm -hmm. a lot of the way because we have to because right. horses have to be fed because people have to work to eat mm -hmm. and um, and I was no different. So I kind of I forced my way through it in a way that you do when you don't have a lot of choice. Uh, I certainly mm -hmm. had choice support. I don't mean to say that I was you know struggling and forced to work but uh i wanted to work and ride and so i i kind of just kept going <laughs> and then i was very fortunate that i had a super easy pregnancy i had almost no sickness in the beginning i was quite nauseous and i, I think mm -hmm. i threw up like two times of the total first trimester which is really low for mm -hmm. carrying a girl <laughs> yes but, um, <laughs> but i then when i hit it was like exactly 13 weeks or something like 12 weeks I was like bing brand new again like I felt amazing the first day of the second trimester so I kind of felt like oh yeah I can I can do this I can do anything and and I continued to ride and, and show horses um through through my second trimester I competed until I couldn't fit into my show jacket <laughs> <laughs> show jackets are pretty expensive at the, at the FBI level so I was like I'm not buying a new one just for this year so when it doesn't fit I'm done um and then I rode 
I wrote it at full strength, I would say, till about 32 weeks. And then um, 35 weeks, I took my last trail ride on my old trustworthy horse. But oh <laughs> it was gosh. it was quite a journey. Um, and and I actually, I did, uh, I, I talked about, I've talked about this on other podcasts too. And I, I love talking about it because I think it's like very hidden often, mm-hmm. especially in the horse world. And certainly people have opinions about whether you should or shouldn't ride. But I very am very vocal about that. I I talked to my o, OB all the time. Mm-hmm. I obviously went to all my regular prenatals. I had great low blood pressure, low weight gain. I was really, I'm very small. I'm five feet, mm-hmm. nothing. So in my first baby, I was lucky. I really didn't show for like six months. So mm-hmm. it wasn't a matter of like, oh, I was riding with a basketball out in front of me. I was yeah. like, I, I was really small. So I could keep going and I do a ton of Pilates and that helped mm-hmm. me pelvic floor strength. Um, and so I just kept, kept going because I could, I realized that's not the case for everyone. And I mm-hmm. certainly wouldn't you know, advise you to keep going if you can't with stuff like that. But it worked for me and it it really helped. It helped my mental health. It helped my preparation for Mm -hmm. what I knew would be a huge life change anyway, which definitely was, (laughs) definitely is. Um, But I did have a a, a comparatively super easy pregnancy. So I was quite lucky with that. And and I just kind of did what I could, you know. Oh my gosh. There's so many. I think the most important thing is like, is knowing your own body and like the mental health piece, you know, because when I was in the first trimester, so I work out like consistently, I would say like three to six days a week, like lifting weights. And then I'm getting movement on the other days as well. And then, but I was so tired in that first trimester where I was like not getting that movement in. And then I did not, I was waiting for that glow and that like transition into the second trimester and mine got worse where I started throwing up like three times a day. Oh and my so God. I'm like, no. <laughs> so I think I put so much like hope on the second trimester yeah. and then I didn't stop throwing up until 21 weeks. Wow. And so, yeah. And it was right. more, it was not like, um, like full meals. It was more like indigestion related, but yeah, the nausea yeah. would stay and the uh, food aversion was there. And so, but one thing I did in the second trimester was I got a second trimester workout plan and it was like, regardless of yeah. how I was feeling or how many times I threw up, like I was in the basement doing that workout and it helped so much with my mental health and then pushing through work as well. Like I don't have a physical job, you know, this is my job, but just like having the conversations and showing up and getting dressed and putting, you know, a little makeup on or something helped a lot too. Um, I'm curious with your role, how, how did your clients receive the news? Because I know you were nervous to tell them and you were in a little bit of denial. So how did they take it? They all took it way better than I thought they would. (laughs) I give them way, I give them all the credit that I didn't give them in the beginning because I, you know, I, I am working on this, but I try, I tend to be a worst case scenario person in my mind, in my own Mm -hmm. mind. And, um, it helps me with my anxiety to plan for the worst case scenario in my brain, which is again, working on it, going to therapy for it. But (laughs) it, it, in my mind, the worst case was that everybody would say, you can't ride. So we can't be your client. So goodbye. And that my business Mm -hmm. would disappear overnight. That did not happen. Um, Everyone was super supportive. Most of my clients are parents also. And so of course they understood the process and the life plan that it, it, that they respected that I was trying to be a normal human in some fashion and just have a, have a child and keep going. Mm-hmm. And um, I also, I also had a plan at that point. So I, by 15 weeks had interviewed and hired an assistant rider uh, and had brought her on and got her sort of accustomed to the client base. Her riding skills were really good. And so, mm-hmm. and that, that was a, it was a little bit lucky, a little bit hard work, probably 50, 50 mm-hmm. that I found her and had her kind of slotted in so that I could say to the clients, it's going to be short term. Here's the plan. I will ride as long as I can. And at that point I did, you know, I did still mm-hmm. ride way a very long time after I told them um, and that basically nothing would change. And, and that was what allowed like nothing would change as far as we'd still teach lessons. We would still train horses and ride their horses and be there. So one of us would be there teaching or riding every day as we normally are. So I could kind of have like a backup rider in case 
because I didn't know and you don't know. Mm -hmm. And as you go through, like, is tomorrow my last day riding? Will I I feel sick? Will I get huge overnight? Will Mm -hmm. I not be able to do it? So I tried to, once I had her in place, I felt comfortable telling them all that it was happening, (laughs) that this was coming, whether we liked it or not. And um, they were all super supportive. I think only one, I really got pushback from only one person. And that was, as another friend advised me, um, just a way of discovering someone who shouldn't have been in my barn in the first place. And and she was gone and I haven't missed her a day. So that worked itself out too. And and some of that, Mm -hmm. so so the reality is some people will not support you in what you're Mm -hmm. doing especially in my sport. Um, but that doesn't matter because there's plenty of people that do. And it didn't matter to my business, even financially to lose her because other people came and other people appreciated what I was doing in the balance of being a mom and being a rider in, in ways that other people don't, and they don't need to be here. You know, right. So that was yeah. a big lesson for me too, is that if, if people don't, if people don't like what you're doing, there will be other people that do. You don't have to turn yourself inside out or sacrifice anything that you feel is important or valuable or yourself or your time, you know, preparing for family. And then certainly this concept has continued as I raise a child because that comes into play a lot. Toddlers mm-hmm. get sick and they miss daycare and, you know, you you want to be with them through all these early phases. And, and it's unfortunately for the clients, no one would ever want to hear this, but the truth is they're not the most important thing anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and most of them appreciate and respect and understand that. And if they don't, it's not, it doesn't matter, you know, that they, they will, they can go to somebody else. And I have grown the business now with people that respect what I'm doing. And that was, that was a big thing pregnancy taught me because until I was pregnant. I was very much like, what does the client need? What do they need? What can I do? How can I say yes? How can I make it happen? Make it work. And then when I was pregnant, it was like, sometimes you can't and that's okay. And the people that respect what you're doing will be there. And they were um, that changed the, I think a huge turning point in my mentality, both being pregnant and being a businesswoman did happen when I told people I was pregnant because that was a huge step for me. And then I also, it was also a huge learning opportunity about people and about myself i think it's a it's a forced like values alignment situation because there's no compromising and there's no i mean you you're having a child your life is changing you know and it's about to really change once the baby gets here and so i think in those instances I have found myself too grounding more into that. My clients were all very receptive and very, very kind about everything. And I have an eight-year-old stepdaughter. So, you know, there has been a level of um, flexibility and like, well, she's home, she may interrupt type of thing, depending on if it's the summer or she was sick all last week. And so I think, but the the values, because when you, when you don't have kids and you talk about values, there sometimes is more of a willingness to like maybe compromise or like you said, to cater to the client or do whatever they need. This fear of not being able to fill the gap if they're not there anymore. Yeah. Um, and then you get pregnant and then there's a whole other fear of like, okay, what if they all just say, you know, forget you and they're out yeah. of here. Um, and that wasn't, you know, my experience or your experience, but you just really come to realize that there are certain clients like you, I feel like you fully embody what that means to be in alignment with your clients, to have your values aligned. And then the full like, oh, that's okay. Like she's not a good fit here. She can go find another trainer. And that's something that we talk about so much in business, but especially marketing is like aligning, speaking to your values and then finding clients that align with them. And in a case like this, where there's no other option, like you aren't going to sacrifice your family or your child. And I've worked with so many clients in the equestrian space, especially that raise their kids in the barn or they're bringing their kids along or, you know, and I think when I would like you to speak to this too, but like outside of your clientele who was overall receptive, how is the, the news received to, because you have a very active social media presence and you have a large audience so how was the news and the continued writing throughout your pregnancy, how was it received to the public platforms? Yeah, it's a very, it's a very good question. Again, mostly positive, surprisingly mm-hmm. amount, a surprising amount positive. Um, but I did find the more uh, content I created that went 
quote unquote viral in its own way, the more you're open to criticism mm -hmm. and alternative thoughts. And I certainly got a lot of comments on posts from people I didn't know at all, didn't know me at all, that were like, you shouldn't be riding, oh, the baby's going to be damaged, all these like terrible <laughs> things that one, another mom told me who also rode, she said, you, you have to have a, a hard black and white, no tolerance for the negativity mm -hmm. concept. Because if you've chosen to ride and you've chosen to keep going or do whatever you're doing, and there is an alternative thought that that is threatening or damaging in any way, um, you can't let those creep in because you will you you will question things. You will mm -hmm. then, and, and for me, that translated to then I would be more unstable in the saddle. With horses right. and riding professionally, confidence is 80% of your success at least mm -hmm. compared to skill. And if you start questioning, should I be up here? Should I be, is, is he going to, what if I fall? What if I come, like then to me, it's like, don't ride. Then you, then you shouldn't ride. Right. Um, and I just didn't feel, I, I'm very tuned into my body, I think, is, mm -hmm. and, and, I've, and I tried really hard to listen to my body the whole way through. Like that meant sometimes I didn't really work hard during the day. Sometimes I taught more than I wrote. And that meant sometimes I was at McDonald's three times a day. You yeah. know, <laughs> and sometimes it went not eating or doing like a juice thing or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like I really, my, I felt lucky and there's perhaps not everybody's experience, but I felt like when you're pregnant, your female power is at its maximum. And, mm -hmm. and if you dial into that and are like, what do I really need right now? Physically, mentally, emotionally, if you sit quiet for one second, and that's hard for me in my day, mm -hmm. my day runs nonstop with clients and horses, um, eight to five. Mm -hmm. And I never really thought that way as a horse person, especially, and I never, never took time to listen to myself, but when you're pregnant, or at least when I was pregnant, it was like a switch. I was like, okay, what do I need? I need to ride. Mm -hmm. I need to ride these horses today, or I need to move, or I need to do Pilates, or I need to lay down, and <laughs> whatever yeah. it was, I listened to it, and that I think helped me stay really confident in what I was doing, so that when I got negative pushback online, it didn't bother me. It really didn't. Um, and I, uh, one another good friend that was riding I really leaned heavily on other yeah. riders who had done it because it, they to me were a benchmark of success and um one woman told me you know at the end of the day as a professional I've been riding my whole life right so riding mm -hmm. is not a new activity for my body and very like balanced very aware mm -hmm. very strong very skilled I cut out all the risk I could so I didn't ride young horses. I didn't ride horses. I didn't know. I didn't take mm -hmm. on new clients. I didn't do anything dangerous as far. I didn't jump. I do, I do dressage. So it's all on the fly. Right. Um, I just, I tried to mediate that risk. I didn't go out on new trail rides from fresh, windy, cold day. You know, I yeah. was very careful in a certain sense, but I needed to ride and train and, and continue to work the horses for myself and for the horses and clients, of course. But you know, that I felt that I mediated the risk down to the level of the risk you take when you drive on the highway. Mm -hmm. And that is, was something another friend reminded me, like we do a lot of things while pregnant that are quote unquote risky. It's mm -hmm. just the fact that people see horse riding, horseback riding as a higher risk activity, but for professionals, it's not. And for me, I felt like it was not. I, I think if I was going to try to go like skiing or something that I'm terrible at, that would mm -hmm. be even riskier, but nobody gives you shit for that. You know? right. so, um, it was, for me, it was like, it's not new. It's not hard. It's not risky. And I'm driving on the highway to get there every day, which anyone could, you know, hit, you could be in an accident any time. So I just, to me, that mentality was what helped me ignore comments online of which there were it was not overwhelming but it was there it was present and I think for my sport that's common people yeah. always have an opinion on what you should or shouldn't be doing totally and I think in your sport especially but then I just think there is a general generational difference now too and what's more accepted and what's not and I'm with you where I approach this pregnancy as like really tuning in to like, I, I feel like it's so sacred, like this time mm -hmm. and um, like the femininity of it and listening to your body and like tuning in. I listened to um, a podcast with Whitney Cummings the other day and she's pregnant. She's like 
35 or 36 weeks pregnant, but she was saying, you know, when you're pregnant, like you want what you want. And so it's like half a bagel, four raspberries and like, you know, it's like so specific. And so, and that, um, I have found that to be true too. So sometimes it's like going to Chick-fil-A or McDonald's and then other times it's like, no, I'm going to eat this salad and like an orange and that's enough for me today. And I've, it's just been interesting to, I found a lot of freedom leaning into that Mm -hmm. and like listening to my body, I think in a way that I haven't in my relationship with my body in the past, you know, it feels more, yeah, where you're just more like, okay, this is what we need today. We need to lay down like Saturday at like three, I'm done for the day. (laughs) You know, I just need to sit here and like read and kind of tap out. But then there are other days where I'm just like a full day of work and then we have a very active dog and needs to be exercised all day long and um an eight-year-old who's here half the time and so it just I think the day-to-day just really depends but I found I didn't get pushback from the doctors for weightlifting no one told me Mm -hmm. not to lift over a certain weight I think sometimes the internet scares you into this like defensive mode where it's like sure you know, I was prepared to fight with my doctor about continuing to weightlift and nobody cared. They were yeah. like, great, you're exercising. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah, exactly. I think that just like really paying attention to your body and then having a physical practice, I mean, your work, but then also Pilates yeah. um, keeps you in tune and grounded, which then it gives you that confidence. Um, so I was started talking about generationally, like, did you see in riders that were older maybe is was there a little more judgment or what did it just not matter i think the generational difference was strongest among non-riders so okay. um riders because i i tell people this all the time i may talk about pregnancy and riding as if it's new but obviously people have been doing this for right. decades but i don't believe they talked about it enough mm. because many, many professionals, top professionals in our industry, Olympians, world games, mm-hmm. people, they have children and you would never know, you know, and it's not that they're hiding it. They just, I think our sport in particular, especially in the old generations, um, rewarded sacrifice and everything, nothing is above your riding and your career. Mm-hmm. And people may disagree with that comment, but that that is the mentality that I've found to be true in that generation. And so if they had children, they did it as quietly and quickly as mm-hmm. possible. They love mm-hmm. their children. I'm certain the same that we all do, but they are not talking about it because that might look like they took time away from the horses. Mm-hmm. They might've stepped back. They might've slowed down. God forbid they do yeah. anything else. And that mentality is now different among pros that I, at least in the circles that I'm in. And that's what I am trying to be a part of the conversation push that you can do both. You can be Mm -hmm. a professional and be a mom. It does not mean you care about your horses less or your business less. I run my business of 15 horses by myself. I have people staff who work for me, but I don't lean on a partner or a backer or a sponsor. It is, Mm -hmm. if I don't do it or make it happen, it doesn't happen. And I'm a full-time mom and plenty of people in industries all over the world have done this forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the horse world, the generational difference is mostly, are you talking about that as a priority? Are you talking about that as a goal that you could also do that is, and here, let me help you mm-hmm. talk about it, do it, talk through it. Here's how you set up your business so that you can ride so that you can teach until you don't want to, or if you don't want, if you get pregnant and you want to stop riding, it can still go on. Doesn't mean you're done also. Right. Um, so that was a huge difference because I think a lot of pros before us, and I have several mentors who are two generations older than me mm-hmm. that were like, yeah, of course we, of course we had a baby. Like it was hard. <laughs> we kept riding. We just went and it's like, I know, but like, what, how did it work? How did you, and they're like, I don't really remember. I don't, you know, this back to the horses, you know? And it's like, okay. That's not helpful to people who want to really figure out how do you do it? How do you afford it? How do you set it up so your clients don't walk on you? Mm -hmm. How do you have your business run so that you can take any version of a maternity leave, which is not existent when you're self-employed, but definitely when horses need care. Um, So that was a separate divide. But then the, the big generational difference in the riding, acceptance of riding while pregnant was really from people who didn't uh, are not riders like my parents or their or my right. grandparents or 
you know, that generation that were like, I'm not sure what you're doing, but you're, you know, it's dangerous. <laughs> Stop being so risky. And it's just like, no, it's okay. You don't understand yeah. at all. But <laughs> that was the bigger, that was the bigger group that gave me pushback where people that they're not sure why I'm a professional horse rider in the first place, you know, <laughs> so they definitely don't understand why I would keep doing that while I was pregnant. So that so, was more of a, a divide among the people. <laughs> and that's what I found too. It, it, it just was so interesting. I was so early on pregnant and I went to a family reunion and maybe I was like 10 weeks and we told everyone because everyone was together. And, you know, my aunts were like, oh, don't pick up that table, you know, like a little card table. And yeah. I, I wasn't even showing. No one knew. And yeah, yeah. Um, and they were so it was just a, a different level of caution yeah. and concern. And and then it's it mentally you have to be careful not to go to that place and like worry yourself yes um because i felt good and i felt Mm -hmm. and i still do you know i'm very in tune like with um i have some diastasis happening and i noticed when i was on the rower some coning the other day i'm like oh Oh, okay we have to modify yeah yeah (laughs) you know and so it's just a like how do how do we modify you know and i reached out to the program I'm a part of and they gave me some tips and that's it and you move on. Um, But I did want to ask you about, you mentioned maternity leave and what that looked like for you and how you plan for it. Because from the moment I found out I was pregnant, I was like, okay, what do I do? And so many (laughs) of the conversations, this one, the first one I had was really helpful. She had had two children by the time we talked and she lives in Canada. So they have a little bit different support for self-employed people, especially now um, where they actually do get paid maternity leave. And so she, she basically was like, it's a dead sprint to make as much money as you can. And (laughs) I, I, I took that in and then I was waiting for second trimester, like, okay, second trimester is going to come and we're going to go get after it. And then it just like, didn't i was still sick and still Mm -hmm. sick and so um now just obviously we're coming into the holidays and i just basically have stuck to the same plan i had which was like my normal business plan and then in my mind just trying to figure out like what i don't know what it's going to look like when the baby comes you Mm -hmm. know um so what did that look like for you yeah so I had the exact same plan as your Canadian friend, which was <laughs> dead sprint as fast as I could uh, work as hard as I could for as long as I could, which is totally not everybody's scenario. Mm-hmm. I, again, I got, and I did get some, some pushback for this when I discussed it with other people after I had had a baby. And I, I wrote an article for Noel Floyd, which is in mm-hmm. a Crusherian publication that um, they published on being pregnant and riding. And, and that was a main uh, note from the editor before it went to print was you can't say this like it's easy for everybody and I totally get that and and learned that from just a reminder that it's not possible for everyone mm-hmm. which I totally understand and have all the you know uh, sensitivity towards now but for me it was possible and mm-hmm. in my sport uh, maternity leave does not exist right it's very much if I'm not in the saddle or in the arena teaching, I don't make money. So mm-hmm. I had to, and I was fortunate that I, my business has done well for the the five years prior to getting pregnant and I had saved some money and I mm-hmm. relied on that truly as a backup. And in the meantime, I thought, let me try to make, this is a little crazy and it was, six weeks worth of income mm-hmm. in addition to what I'm doing. So right. that I can bank that for if that was what I thought it would be six weeks. And it ended up being less because I pressured myself, not because anyone pressured me. Right. Um, but I really was in the make hay while the sun shines because I did feel good. And I was mm-hmm. lucky I was small and healthy and I just kept going and I took on, I started earlier. I ended later. I taught more lessons. I fit everybody in. I fit in new horses where I could when they were safe. Cause like I said, I wasn't trying mm-hmm. to ride anything crazy. Um, but I basically tried to double down because the fear mm-hmm. of the unknown was driving me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I didn't know what it would look like. And not a lot of people could tell me, you know, not a lot of riders were able to take any time. I talked to one girl who literally hemorrhaged and ended up in the ER because she was forced to not forced, but she felt pressured to ride. Yeah. 
within five days of having a baby and she had an easy delivery and thought she could just get right back in. And she said to herself, she told me this, it was my own choice Mm -hmm. and my own fault and my own learning, but that if that, that even happens to one person who would talk about it means it's happening to a lot of people who won't talk about it. And that is super sad and unfortunate to me because there's just not enough education that, Mm -hmm. I mean, me, I also through my own ignorance, of course, and I think a lot of quote unquote horse girls are this way because we do just focus so much on the horses. Mm-hmm. You don't know that you can't ride again. You've never been told that you can't ride. Right. If you feel good, you don't don't understand why you shouldn't risk reopening things, why you can't let your, yeah. your body has to be still to mm-hmm. heal. And that's not a concept that's really <laughs> taught or accepted. So I didn't know any of these things until after I learned a lot through postpartum. And I also, you know, suffered a lot in postpartum, but coming into it, I, I planned for the unknown in just doubling down as much as I could. And I, and again, hiring it, my main two main things were work as hard as you can for a while, for as long as you feel this good Mm -hmm. and hire an assistant, pay whatever you have to pay to have a rider in your place. Uh, And that cut into the profits I made, of course, because I had to pay another person's mm-hmm. salary to ride for me, which yeah. felt terrible <laughs> to pay money you've made for somebody yeah. else to ride, which is your dream and your work. But that's what that's what you have to do to step back and let your body heal and let your body right. and and focus on your new child, which is a whole new a whole new world. Everybody told me yeah. this, but I, I it's not even worth saying it doesn't matter you you can't know it until you feel it and when you feel it it's just like new door opens that you've never been to um and and it's awesome and it's that that is awesome so it's worth it thousand percent Mm -hmm. but it is it is hard and relatively uncharted uh as far as how to how to help and in my industry one thing i'd love to work towards if i ever had any more time (laughs) maybe when Alice goes to school but um is to develop a way that our industry could support people who need to step back very much like the paid the paid family leave that's happening in Connecticut which is Mm -hmm. where I live um that is an amazing program that should be a benchmark for a lot of states and a Mm -hmm. lot of places organizations like ours we have certainly uh, plenty of overarching organizations that we pay all kinds of money to to show every year and to be equestrians in a professional or amateur sense. Mm-hmm. And that model, I think, would work really well that if you need money for any time off, mm-hmm. any time home, and you've been paying into it in your regular memberships and fees to just to compete, that there should be something, some piece of that set up for emergency or family leave time, whether that's maternity leave or caring for an elderly or caring for yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's something I, I want in the next few years to work towards helping change because I, I, it was, it was terrible for me. It was terrible to not know what to do or how to do it. And not to have anybody, everyone's like, mm, you know, there's <laughs> no support. Shy. Right, right. You can have, I mean, so that's what I just started having conversations just to see yes, yeah, how people yeah. navigated. And everyone, I mean, largely it was like, yeah, I just double down when you can, take yeah. on clients, take on different projects, you know. Yeah. Um, do what you can until the baby comes and then you're just going to have to figure it out. And I know I've watched some people in the space who didn't take any maternity leave. Yeah. Like I swear they were like creating content in the hospital or, you know, they're <laughs> know, after and, this too. I'm like, yeah, oh, I didn't, I didn't do that. that, that no, I didn't even remember where my phone was for two days. Well, that's sure. right. I don't <laughs> want to have to think about that. And no. so my plan is what can I create and schedule in advance yeah. to put the business on autopilot? What can I have? And I, um, there's a business coach. She just had a baby this past week and she, she did something really cool with email where she had let her audience know when the baby comes, they were going to have like an email birthday party okay. for like a week. And so every day she, it was all set up like automated, but every day she would basically release a different deal or cool. um, special for her audience. And so she's selling, but she is not having to do the work, yeah. you know, and I'm sure she has a small team that helps her behind the scenes, but just this, because all my friends, none of my friends are entrepreneurs, you know, and so some of them, them and their partners got 12 weeks of paid yeah. 
time off. And so for us, um, you know, Marshall, my fiance, he's in sales, so he doesn't get any paternal paid leave. Yeah. So he's not going to be home for a while, you know, like he'll be home for yeah. maybe a week or two, but he has to take PTO. Yeah. And so um, in talking about it with other people, it's, it's such a unique situation unless you're talking to other entrepreneurs or yeah. sales folks, because there's 100%. just, I think anyone who's employed, like through a corporation, you take for granted that there is that, even if it's only six weeks, but yeah. it's paid, It's paid. you know? Yeah, it's paid. It, otherwise it's like okay well what do you do you have to have right. a plan in place to continue making money or have had put your save you know have your savings in place it, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah and so i think there's just i was anticipating naively <laughs> like this uh second trimester like burst of creativity yeah. and workflow and then it just didn't really come and and with that, it's like, okay, well, now the stress has arrived because we're in the final countdown and we have the holidays. And so I think just so much of the work for me and for service-based business owners too, is just like, okay, what can you do? If you're just, if you're at home, can you create content on your phone? Yeah. Can you, you know, can stay connected with your audience? Like how can you serve your people? And so it's been interesting just to see that the creative ways people have come up with, because I have the benefit of it not being a physical, like I'm not going to injure sure. myself going back to work. Um, it's more of a like desire. Do I want to oh, yeah. be on the computer and the phone? No. And, and I think I very naively thought I'd be right back at it in some form. I mm -hmm. even, um, you know, I had one idea I had when I was in the like depths of panic in the first trimester. Yeah. Like, what can I, what else can I do with this? I'm like, I can sell my clothes. I can sell my shit. Like, yeah. I do, no, I don't need to do all these things, but this is where my brain goes. But I, I did end up doing some consulting for tax stores mm -hmm. and um, ghost writing for blogs that talk, that talk about horse concepts, because I was like, what are things I can do at mm -hmm. my computer if I'm like suddenly incapacitated? Because I did hear, and I tried to block it out, but I heard some horror stories about if you have a, a placenta's in the wrong place or you right. have some bleeding and you have to just stop or you have to be on bed rest. And I, mm -hmm. I was like, Oh my God, what would I do? <laughs> you know? Um, and again, I was super fortunate that that didn't happen to me, but that set me up for some things to do in the first couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. However, if I could go back or if I were to ever do it again, I would take a hard four weeks of nothing. Like yeah. if I had everything I wanted. You should have minimum four weeks of nothing because it is all consuming in the best mm -hmm. possible way, mm -hmm. but all consuming in a way I had never experienced before. And that's coming from a version that my career is all consuming. Yeah. <laughs> Horses are all consuming. And you know, I have dogs and I have my own animals always. So I, I've, I thought, no, I know what responsibility is, but right. the first month, I mean, I think, and I think this is what actually put me into postpartum depression was I was so rocked by that I couldn't do any of the things I wanted mm -hmm. to do. And for all the ease of my pregnancy, I had a horrible delivery and post-op, uh, I ended up with an episiotomy and surgical oh, no. tearing, uh, which is basically like your body is not ever going to be shaped the same way. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, you know, I, I ended up needing quite a bit of and heal and be quiet in your house and also I was very committed to breastfeeding so I yeah. didn't and I, I was again fortunate that Mel came in and my baby lashed really well and she was an incredible eater has always been mm -hmm. but that is also all consuming you are then every three hours you can't do anything else and you mm -hmm. that's that's 24 hours long by the way it doesn't stop mm -hmm. at night when you want to sleep and so I just I was super rattled by that. And I then, you know, my, all my plans of like, I'm going to write and I'm going to go back to work and I'm going to go <laughs> teach. I won't ride, but I'm just going to go stand in the corner with my newborn, you know, and watch the people go around and teach my assistant and teach, the, you know, watch the horses, check in, check on the barn. Cause I also manage my barn yet very actively. Right. Like, like just see all the horses every day myself. And those are things that I was just like, I know I'll be able to do that. Cause if I can, if I can, if I'm alive, I can do that. And it's like, oh no, my gosh. No. And, um, so I did it two weeks. I was at home without really, I wasn't able to get in the car. Like I had to mm -hmm. lay sideways across the back seat to go to her first couple of days appointments oh my gosh. because I was in so much pain. And so 
And that was not a thing I'm used to. I'm used to just like muscling through and mm-hmm. nothing bothers me physically. And so again, fortunate. So but then you're you're extra shook by it if you've never had yeah. the problem. <laughs> I was like, what's happening to oh me? And so you know, I I would always advise people who ask me now, like if I could go back, I would not have pushed so hard to get back in the barn after two because mm-hmm. after two weeks I went to the barn still in pain. And then I had some prolapse because I was standing Mm -hmm. too long and I shouldn't have been standing. I should have been resting, but I couldn't take it. And I was feeling very dark being at my house. Plus it was this time of year. I had her early November. The days are short. (laughs) It's closing in on you. And it just was like a perfect storm for me to really like spiral mentally. So getting to the barn was part of my like Mm -hmm. end of the tunnel. I have to just get back to work and I'll feel better. Um, but if I had had a better understanding of your world may be rocked, you will be okay. You, everybody goes through it. Yeah. You will get to another side, but plan for downtime instead right. of planning for productivity because planning for productivity with all this time you think you have, because you're going to be at home. <laughs> now, for me, that was a little stupid, <laughs> I don't oh know my gosh. but look and saying, and now you think, oh my God, why'd she think that? But that was what I was, I thought I'll make it up. If I don't, if I'm not riding, I'll have, cause I thought if I don't have all these horses to ride and I just have this little baby to take care right. of, I should be able to do email marketing. I should be able to start a newsletter. I should yeah. be able to do no, no, none of that happened. Um, so I was, it, I did end up, you know, banking a decent amount of money in the summer when I rode mm-hmm. and, and had to took on a lot of extra riding or teaching clients because I could just teach even when I got really big I just stood around all day and taught um my clients forced me to sit in the corner yeah (laughs) I I did teach a lot of extra lessons and banked it and then used that to to not make money those couple yeah and then go back to teaching as as soon as I could but as an entrepreneur it's so hard because how you plan for stopping when everything you've ever learned is push harder, do more, try extra, hustle harder. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very difficult concept and there's not a lot of roadmap. Um, but I think that the best thing is to prepare for you will not be at the speed you want to be just in yes. any person, even if everything goes perfectly, you know, even I talked to some women who had a very fine, normal delivery and they did feel like they could ride a lot sooner um, cause I was even like, I thought, oh, you know, some people said four weeks instead of the six weeks, oh my gosh. four weeks and maybe cause I'm super fit and I do Pilates and I feel good. And I had a super good, easy pregnancy road the whole time. People were telling me you'll push her right out. You've got such a strong core. It'll be fast delivery. You'll be right back. No, that's not what happened. What happened was my pelvic floor was so strong that maybe couldn't come out. Oh, like, yeah. It never really you know, didn't get as soft as it needed to be. So um, I, you know, I had all these delusions of like, I'll just ride probably right away. I'll be fine. And it was like at, at my six week appointment, my doctor was like, you know, you look good. You're healed. You can, I was like, what? I can't possibly ride yet. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, I was like, and it was like not, it was nine weeks before I was back in the saddle and I felt, and that's nine weeks in my, I never in my life have taken nine weeks out of the saddle. So I was oh really, gosh. Uh, <laughs> really shook by the whole change and it's very, very good for you in the long run. Everybody should yeah. go through it if they can and have to, you know, want to want to have children, it changes you in, in all the best ways, but many painful ways, uh, figuratively and, and literally. Um, but yeah, the, the after for me was just so different than I thought that now that's my, always my best advice is like, be ready for not what you think, because whatever you think may not, may not happen and you can't bank on that, or you might crash mentally like I did (laughs) yeah I think that's like the biggest lesson I'm learning I mean especially because I had so much hope for being healthy in the second trimester Mm -hmm. and it's like and so many people will tell you I even had my one of my aunts was like you shouldn't be sick right now I'm like okay I don't (laughs) oh yeah you're right yeah I really wish I wasn't um but here we are you know and so I think this so many people in in some ways it's hard to give you hope right like oh yeah you'll be fine you'll be fine yeah. it'll work out and in 
otherwise I think like having conversations like this are just so refreshing because it's just honest and it's yeah. you don't know how it's going to go and for people most entrepreneurs type a planners like control you know and that is such a large lesson that I'm learning now and I know that's only going to get greater yeah. once the baby gets here you know but this um just like the business side of things is so interesting to me because a lot of times that's how entrepreneurship goes too. You don't know really how it's going to go. And there was, um, I know for a lot of people going into the fourth quarter, it slowed down a lot more than usual. And so that, you know, there's a lot going on in the world. People are busy. And so October um, for me, but also for a lot of people, it took an unusual dip in that in it was just interesting and so when that happened too i was like okay what are we going to do now you know and yep, how exactly. do we how are we going to pivot in this situation and so i think so much of entrepreneurship is learning how to be flexible and learning how to be pivot and having your plans and sticking to it but also knowing that at any point things could change and yes. you have to be able to roll with that and i think i mean obviously today we're talking about pregnancy but i think this applies you know to years ago yeah two years years ago last december we had a house fire oh, and yeah and it, we were able to stay in our home like it didn't displace us um but it was incredibly disruptive and then that was in december and then in january of that year when the city inspectors were here looking at the back den where the fire was <laughs> the the bathroom leaked into the kitchen ceiling and oh. so then we had a surprise kitchen renovation in the middle oh, wow. of this back den renovation. And then my stepdaughter was run over by a vehicle. She's fine. She was fine. Kid, kids are so weird. They're like, yeah, they're superhuman. They yeah. They're like, putty. Mm -hmm. they're just so malleable. But so we had, it was like December house fire, January plumbing leak, March rebel run over by a car. And <laughs> <laughs> so I lost like you know, parenthood in a nutshell, actually. <laughs> yes. And and then because of the fire and the construction, when she was hit by the vehicle, we were currently without a kitchen. And so we had no kitchen for six weeks. And we ended up having to send our dog away to doggy boot camp because we couldn't access the backyard because of the back den fire. Oh my God. So then trying to work from home with two sets of contractors here and then a Doberman is like in no kitchen, you know, so it's crazy. It was crazy. And I feel like I during that time, I mean, you just get through it every day. Yeah. You just figure out a way to get through it. Um, but looking back is like I lost so much business time, mm -hmm. like six months, and I wasn't prepared for something like that in my business. And so I think having gone through that helps you understand like the systems and the automations that you can put in place if you have you know obviously you can't automate your training you can't you you hired someone to help you right. out that was the closest thing yeah right um and so but i think and then having a business savings account too and preparing for it doesn't have to be pregnancy but other life events Anything. like yeah. home emergencies grief i have a friend who lost her mom over the summer and she had to take time away from the business and the business just kind of shut down during that yeah. time, you know, and Imagine. yeah. And, and that's like, yeah, we've gone through some grief here too. And so you just realize like, if you want your business to be flexible with your life, so you have space for life, you have to put some systems in place yeah. and whether it's hiring help or automating when and where you can, I think identifying those systems sooner than later is, is helpful because you just never know. Like, yeah. We, it was one work morning and I used our fireplace and I'm like, oh, there's smoke coming out here, you know? And so, and then that was that I had to cancel my meetings. Rebel yeah. and I are outside, like waiting for the fire trucks and, you know, and so life just happens. And so many of us get into entrepreneurship because we like the freedom and flexibility and the control. Yeah. Um, and so building a business that supports your life is just as important as having a life that supports your business dreams totally and i think that people don't talk about this like the systems enough you know the nitty-gritty the behind the scenes everyone talks yeah. about like oh schedule flexibility or you know whatever it is creativity but then there does have to be some structure there yeah otherwise it's just not sustainable because life is life is just gonna life 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And what I always tell people is like, if I'm a very planned and organized person and I had worked really hard to have a business that was solid and had mm-hmm. savings before, but my pregnancy was a total surprise. And so I had nine months only to figure it out. And if I can do it in that short time, anybody can, mm-hmm. <laughs> because I felt like, oh my God, it's tomorrow. Tomorrow is my business will change. And it, it you know, the human body is amazing because mm-hmm. it is just the right amount of time where you yeah. have time to figure everything else out, uh, but you don't die from it because by the last trimester, you're like, I'm going <laughs> to die from this. I'm dead. <laughs> so it's like perfect timing. You, It's like you get nine months on the clock and mm-hmm. you can, you know, you can generally work things out or whatever you're doing in one way or another in that amount of time. And that just like entrepreneurship, it just makes you better. It makes you better for this job because mm-hmm. self-employment and entrepreneurship, like you were saying, anything can happen. It doesn't have to be pregnancy. You have the more flexible you can be, the more adaptable you can be, the better your business can adjust. And that might mean changing your business entirely. That might mean changing yeah. the structure of what you do, where you do it, how you do it. You know, I've thought a lot even after pregnancy about do I really want to be riding this much and this long and this hard and working six mm-hmm. days a week always? I mean, it, you you want to be able to adjust through all the phases of life and pregnancy mm-hmm. is kind of the first major one, but it, it continues from there, at least for me. <laughs> it's an ongoing conversation, especially in your industry, because I think especially women realize, like, is this the level of physical output I want to have or how long is this level of physical output sustainable right you know and I have a an equestrian client she's in the phases now of, she's in a serious relationship and so you know there's like talk yeah. about families and stuff and really the talk about what does the future of her business look like does yeah. she want to raise kids in the barn or would she prefer to have a different aspect of that business and then learning to like you said like change the business model is okay too. And I have clients that have done that too, where they've hired out some more of the physical parts of the job um, and then pivoted into more of a consulting role and yeah. taking on, you know, that aspect of it. And so that in that regard, they're adding revenue streams and like taking themselves out of some of them and hiring help. But I mean, and there, there's no wrong way to do it. And I think yeah. for so many women, it's just identifying how you want to do it and what works best for you in your lifestyle because there are plenty of people who like to work through grief and throw themselves into work during difficult times you know as best they can but i am not one of those people (laughs) i like to turn off i like to i need to process my emotions in private a lot of times i'm like a cat like i want to retreat um and yeah, so exactly <laughs> yeah like i'm not creative i don't get this weird like energetic <laughs> burst and so i think um people like the first step is just really knowing yourself and having that level of self-awareness and then building a, sy- a system in your business that supports that yeah. um so as we wrap it up here is there anything else you want to say to people who are having this conversation or maybe on this journey already about business or babies or any of it I think we covered all the all the important yeah. things, um, but I would just say that I think it's important to just keep talking about it, keep asking questions and finding people who have done it or who are at least a little bit spoken about it, well spoken about it and can can align with what you want to do because mm-hmm. there's so many different ways. This goes for entrepreneurship or parenthood or pregnancy there's a billion different ways to do these things. I think what helped me is finding people who were doing it the way I envisioned wanting to do something and Mm -hmm. asking them or reaching out to them and, and, and looking for guidance in, in what I thought was success or what I wanted to imitate in success. And um, I want to be that resource also. So I always encourage people like I am, widely reachable mm-hmm. <laughs> accessible and people dm me on instagram send me an email things like this i'm always open for questions and, and give very honest opinions and answers on what i did and if that can help somebody else that's that's great that's what i want to do so yes and how do people talking. connect with you <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
How best, um, do you want to share your website and your social yeah. media? Yeah. So, um, I'm on Instagram at Lucy in the sky with Sapphires, um, because my business is Sapphire sport horses and my website is sapphiresporthorses.com. Both of those have email and contact forms on them, um, that I can be reached at. And I'm, I'm open to questions of all kinds and I love talking about it. So anyone yeah. is always welcome to reach out. Thank you so much for being here. Um, this has been such a great conversation. And I will say to anyone in the, I was reaching out to people when I was like seven weeks pregnant because I yeah. was starting to panic. And so it's <laughs> never too soon to have the conversations. And right. I sent someone a DM and I'm like, how did you do it? I'm yeah. throwing up. I have no energy. <laughs> Just full panic. And she was so kind and has been such a nice support throughout. So I would say, you know, to anyone who is, in these phases it's just like reach out and ask ask the questions and ask for help everyone you know i'm i've learned so much you have you have a two-year-old now so that's like a whole yeah. other podcast like exactly. business and toddler. <laughs> it's a separate topic <laughs> yeah <laughs> and navigating yeah. that phase of business and life and so um thank you so much for being so open and having these conversations because i've when we first worked together that was my first introduction really to like, oh yeah, like what is it going to look like mm -hmm. when I choose to have, when we decide to have a family with this business. And so that really like piqued my curiosity. And then, you know, since there, it's just been um, more one conversation after another and it's really helpful. So I appreciate Maybe. you being a voice in this too. Yeah, no, that's so cool. And I'm so I, I'm so happy for our relationship and friendship and, and collaboration in a lot of different ways. And this is so fun. And I'm so happy to answer any questions you have as you go. But also, thank you for having me and asking me because that's you can't have yeah. without being asked. So thank you for having me. It's been really fun to talk about. Thank you so much. Hey, friends, thank you so much for listening to another episode. If you loved what you heard today, take a screenshot of this episode and share it with your community on Instagram. Be sure to tag me at Marketing Uninhibited so I can share you with my community. And don't forget that you can achieve your big business dreams with small marketing steps. Talk to you next week.